0: Good morning, church. Hope everyone is having a beautiful day so far. So glad you're here. Let me extend my welcome. Uh, my name is Corey and I'm so glad if it's your first time here that you're here with us. I know every week we have people that are in the room for the first time and just know uh, that if you come into this place, uh, you're, you're coming into a family and it's a family where you're welcome and where we are really, really glad that you're here. And we wanna make sure we have a chance to meet you like DJ said or Jason said, or maybe all of us have said. Uh, some of us will be out in the, uh, in the lobby here afterwards. We'd love nothing more than to shake your hand and to get to know your name and to meet you face to face if we have the chance. Um, it's a great day. And uh, this month, I hope you're enjoying this springtime weather. It's been a little up and down, but it's a season where everything is growing. And if you've been around, then you know that we've been talking about this idea of what does it mean to grow? What does it mean to have a growing faith in Jesus Christ? And what does that look like? And what does that mean? And if you if you've missed a Sunday, I want to invite you to go back and listen either through our app or online to the messages that we've been sharing every week as we talk about this idea of growth. Uh, we I, I keep saying this, but I, I think this may be one of the most important things we ever talk about. Um, is how do we grow in our faith? Because there's nothing more critical, I think, to the life of a follower of Jesus than to experience growth. And for you to be in this is one of our desires. If you're a part of this faith family, for you to be in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and for us as a church to be growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? So I hope, I hope, you're, uh, hope you're tracking with this. I hope you're experiencing growth this month uh, as we spend time uh, in the word of God and thinking about what does it mean to grow. Uh, so as you may have noticed, I have some flowers on stage and, and some of you know what these are. These are tulips. Um, these used to be my wife's favorite flowers until I discovered they weren't. Um, <laughs> So guys, you may know how this works. You think you have it all figured out, and then she changes her mind. And uh, but I think they're still in like the top the top ten. But uh, yeah, these are tulips and uh, beautiful flowers, very delicate flowers. They only like grow a certain time of year, and then only for a short amount of time. And I wasn't even sure to be quite honest if they were still in season. And I went to find them last night, and I couldn't. But of course, my wife found them. But I promised to give these to her after church today. So even though she bought them, does that still count? As probably not. I need to go back to that marriage conference, Jason. Um, so anyway, uh, these are uh, flowers, tulips. And uh, what you may or may not know is that these flowers, um, they grow from a bulb. And so I have a picture up here of, uh, uh, of tulip bulbs. And this is, this is how tulips grow. They grow from tulip bulbs, okay? So a little uh, education here. Uh, what you may not know about tulip bulbs is they really only grow a certain way. And so if you were to plant tulip bulbs upside down, they probably wouldn't grow. You know, at the bottom of the bulbs is uh, where the roots are supposed to grow down. And the top of the bulb, the little pointy top, is where the shoot kind of springs up. And so when you plant these things in the ground, you want to put them in their, their correct way so that the roots can grow down into the rich soil and so that the sprout can shoot up through the ground towards the light and so they can grow and become this beautiful these beautiful flowers uh, that we see in front of us today. And, and it's just interesting to me that if you were to do this differently, if you were to plant them upside down, Uh, then they wouldn't grow at all. And I think for a lot of us, I think something similar is going on in our life. I don't know if you've thought about this, but some of you, uh, and and myself included, we go through seasons of life where we kind of feel stuck, don't we? We kind of feel like maybe our growth as a Christian, uh, we've kind of plateaued, or maybe we've just stopped growing altogether, and we don't really even know what the problem is. And I think this might be a clue as to the problem that we're facing as followers of Jesus, why sometimes in our lives we aren't experiencing growth the way that we wish we were. And the problem might be that we're doing life upside down. And because our life is upside down, we're not experiencing any growth. And so you wake up in the morning and you begin your day with you and not with God. That's upside down. Or you go through life and you're trying to fix all your problems and you only go to God when you figure out you can't. That's upside down. Or you're one of those people that you think you have all the answers and you don't need anybody and the truth is you don't and you do. That's upside down. Or you're that person that always feels responsible for everybody and so you try to step into every crisis, every moment, everybody else's business and you're trying to fix everything. That's upside down. There is a Messiah. It's not you. His name is Jesus. You're that person that you like to have control of everything. And the only time you turn to God is when you figure out that everything in your life is completely out of your control. That's upside down. And we go through day in and day out. And yeah, we come to church and we do the Bible study and we show up for this and we show up for that and we help out those in need. But it seems like we're not experiencing any traction in the growth in our lives. And I'm telling you, I think one of the reasons is because you and I get into this place where we start doing life upside down. When our world revolves around us and it doesn't really rotate around God and that's upside down. And what I wanna do today is I wanna show you again some of these words from our brother Paul. If you don't know Paul, he was a missionary. He was a church planner. He wrote you know, over half your New Testament. He was um, an incredible man of God. And he spoke to these believers, these first generation Christians in a city called Ephesus And what he was trying to help them with is the same thing that we're trying to, uh, you know, get our arms around this month as well, uh, of what does it mean to grow? And how do we experience growth in our relationship with Jesus Christ? And so if you have your Bible or you have the Bible app, I want to invite you to turn that on, open that up, whatever you do to Ephesians 5. And we're going to look at some of Paul's words here to these first-generation Christians and see what he says when he's talking about what it means for us to experience this growing relationship with Jesus. And so in Ephesians 5 verse one, he starts this way. He says this, Imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Don't you love that? Don't you love the way that Paul talks about us and the way that Paul talks about God and Paul's first words to us who are trying to grow in our faith is he says this, imitate God, imitate God. God. This is how you and I are going to experience growth. If we begin with this, if we begin to imitate our father, and we know this is true, right? We imitate what we adore at our house. Um, just here lately, since, since we moved to Texas, one of the funny things that's happened around our dinner table at night with our kids is that out of the blue one night, they started doing dad impressions. You know, they started imitating me uh, of me preaching, and I want to go ahead and just confess that if uh, if their impressions are at all accurate, I need to issue a church-wide apology because <laughs> apparently I have this really deep, weird preachery voice, and I pound on a, on a podium that I don't even have. I don't know what they've been watching, but it's hysterical. And at first, I was like deeply offended by this. I'm like, that is not what I do when I get up to preach. I don't think. But then, you know, now I kind of love it. Because I realize this is true, right? Like we imitate what we adore and children often imitate their parents. And this is why we know, don't we moms and dads, that our faith is really important because we know it's true that when it comes to our kids and their spirituality, we get what we are spiritually. Like children are gonna imitate their parents' faith. And so that's a really big deal. But it's also important for us. It's a a test for us, isn't it? Like if you wanna know, if you wanna know if you're growing in your, your relationship with Jesus, then ask yourself this question. Are you imitating our heavenly father? Is that true of you? In your life, are you imitating your dad, your father in heaven? And if not, then ask yourself the question, who or what are you imitating? Because we imitate what we adore. And Paul starts with this idea of imitate your father in heaven because you are his dear children. You are his sons and daughters. So imitate him. And and Paul then says, and this is how you do it. Verse two, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. How how do we imitate God? We do it by following the example of Christ and how did Jesus Christ love us? We all know this. He loved us by giving up his own life, this self-sacrificial kind of love, this cross-shaped love. This is the kind of love that we are supposed to imitate. And I think this is a huge deal for us. Because if you're anything like me, and if we're just really, really honest this morning, I think we have to admit that this is true, don't we? That we are not very good at sacrifice. We're not. Let's just tell the truth. We're not. We don't like to give up things. We really adore our comfort. And we hold it in high esteem. And if our comfort is ever threatened for any reason, doesn't matter what it is. If we feel like it's being changed or challenged in any way and we feel uncomfortable even for a moment. Oh, we, we, we jump back. We're not good at sacrifice. We're not good at sacrifice. And sometimes I wonder as Christians, as followers of Jesus, especially here. I wonder if we have to ask ourselves, do we worship the God of all comfort? Or do we worship God? comfort. And maybe, just maybe, the most spiritual thing you and I could do this week is to think about an area of our life that's really comfortable for us and think about a way to make a sacrifice in that specific area. You know? I mean, maybe for you it means next week you double your offering not because anybody needs the money, because it's an act of obedience. It's an act of sacrifice for you. Maybe it's you decide to sign up to teach a kids class or a teen class because that's an act of self-sacrifice for you. Maybe it's you deciding to go, not just to send somebody on a mission trip, but you're gonna go on a mission trip this summer not, because it's an act, it's out of your comfort zone. It's an act of self-sacrifice. Or you're deciding to be, to, to be a mentor to someone who needs uh, someone ahead of them in life to take them under their wing and love them and serve them and help them. And you don't really have the time. It's gonna be a sacrifice, but you choose to do it because it's cross-shaped love it's christ-like self-sacrifice like this is the way that we imitate god we do it by following the example of jesus and maybe the most spiritual thing you and i could do this week is to find an area of comfort in our lives and make a sacrifice in that area because this this is how we imitate god this is how we grow and experience growth as christians We've been doing life upside down. We haven't figured this out, that we've got to turn it the way God intended it to be turned, where it's a self-sacrificial kind of lifestyle, that that's where we experience growth. And then Paul says this, and I'll just be honest, this is where it gets real. Ephesians 5, verse 3. He says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things that these people do. Can can we state the obvious this morning? You can't grow in Christ if you're stuck in sin. And some of us, if we're just honest with ourselves this morning, like no one knows it but us. But the reality of the matter is that we're just living a life that's stuck in sin. And the truth is, I don't know if you caught this, but the way Paul lists these sins, he kind of clumps them all together and he doesn't delineate one is worse than the other. I mean, you know, for him impurity, sexual immorality, greed, it's all in there together, right? Because he knows the truth that all sin is sin. Darkness is darkness is darkness and all sin separates you from the light of Christ doesn't matter what it is and if you've ever sinned and you've experienced this that sin is sin is sin and all sin has this powerful effect that separates you from the light of God and if you felt far from God before you probably have realized it's because of some sin that is rooted in your life I don't know what happened at your house Friday night at our house we finally got the kids in bed and Alicia and I sat on the couch to watch a movie you know this is date night these days right um And, uh, all of a sudden we get maybe five minutes into the movie and the power goes out here in Capel. And I know for some of you, it came back on pretty quickly for us. It didn't like it was out and it didn't come back on. It didn't flash back. And we're sitting there kind of like, all right, what do we do? And about that moment, you know, two of our kids who weren't asleep yet come running into the living room uh, because they noticed that the power had gone out and they're like, what, what do we do? And I mean, catch this, the lights were already off. It was already dark in the house. Uh, but, the fact that the power had gone out and there was no possibility of turning the lights back on brought up this strong emotion in my children. You know what the emotion was? Fear, fear. What do we do? What's gonna happen next? How, well, you know, it's not a big deal. It's already night, <laughs> you know, go back to bed, you know? But they were scared and it struck me like this, this thought just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like as kids, you know, we were, we were scared of the dark and we loved the light. Like we wanted the nightlight in a room, leave the door cracked mom and dad so I can see that there's light outside. But as adults, something has happened to us, hasn't it? Like as adults, it seems like more often than not, we're, we're afraid of the light and we try to hide in the dark. Like we think that if people knew what we knew about us, if they ever saw the light of day, we, we would be more than ashamed. We would be destroyed because we know what's in the dark and we want to keep what's in the dark in the dark. And we don't want it to ever see the light of day. And Paul says right here, don't have anything to do with the darkness. Don't participate in these things. This is not who you're supposed to be. And, and, and even as you hear that, you may be thinking to yourself, well, I mean, are you trying to tell me I've got to live a perfect life, a sinless life? And the answer is no, because we just know that's not even possible, right? There's only one guy that ever did that and we named this whole deal after him. You know, it's Christ and we're following his example, but we're not gonna do it perfectly. But even though you can't be sinless, you can choose to sin less. You get that, don't you? Like your choices matter and we get to choose more often than not what we're gonna do and where we're gonna go. And Paul's words here are strong because those who choose, who willingly and repeatedly choose to do what's wrong, Paul says the anger of God is gonna fall on all who disobey him. But he doesn't stop there. In verse eight, he says this. Once you were all full of darkness. That's just our spiritual reality before Christ. But now you have light from the Lord. So do this. Live as people of light. For this light within you, hear this word, it produces, that's a growth word, only what is good and right and true. We we once were full of darkness, but now we have this light from the Lord and this light that is from the Lord that's inside of us is producing something beautiful and magnificent and gorgeous. It's producing things that are good and right and true. And Paul says, live as people of light. Live as people of light. And I think Paul says this because he knows knows that this is true, that you and I, we cannot grow in Christ if we're stuck in sin. You can grow in Christ or you can grow in sin, but you can't grow in both. You can't have a foot in both of those worlds. And so Paul says, live as people of light. This is who you and I are called to be as people who live our lives, producing things that are good and true and right, because this imitates the cross-shaped love of his son, Jesus Christ. And when we imitate that, we imitate our father in heaven. We imitate God himself. And what happens when we do all of these things is we have life right side up and we begin to experience something amazing as followers of Jesus, don't we? We begin to experience growth. This is what happens we turn our life towards the light of Jesus Christ. But here's the deal for you and me. And I think you know this is true. That as long as you keep what is in the dark in the dark, you'll never, ever grow. Uh, Some of you know this for a long time before I uh, I stepped into preaching and doing this kind of stuff. uh, I was a youth minister for a few years. And what was amazing about that experience for me looking back on it is so many times, and especially in the summertime or the retreats, we would be away on a trip, a camp, a mission trip or whatever. And many of those nights we would always gather together to have a devotional with our students and we'd sing, we'd pray, we'd talk. And Almost invariably, so many of those nights ended up the same way where we just allowed time and space for for those students to kind of share what was on their heart and give them permission, a safe place, if you will, to kind of share their struggles and what they're going on with. And what happened out of those times was so incredibly powerful because students one after the other would begin sharing what you and i would call their deepest darkest secrets their their deepest darkest sins with a group and one by one we would hear those things and then we would come around them and pray for them and someone else would share and we would hear those things we'd come around them and we'd hear them and something powerful would happen like students would begin to experience freedom like they never ever felt before why why? Because they were able to bring what was in the darkness into the light. And, and even bigger, they began to understand that this one central truth that I want you to hear today, that everybody struggles. You may think, because so many people think this, and it's ludicrous, but we believe this lie. You may think that you're the only one who struggles with your particular sin and shame. This is one of the enemy's oldest and best lies. Like he whispers it in your ear. Like if if people knew what you do, you would be ashamed. You would be destroyed because you're the only one that struggles with that. It's not true. The truth is everybody struggles. Everybody's. No one in this room today is without sin. And now we come in here and we're great at pretending, aren't we? You ask me how I'm doing. I say fine. I ask, you ask me, I say the same thing. We're doing fine. Everything's great. Thanks for asking. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. We're a bunch of pretenders. What's true is we gather in this room every week. And the only reason we gather the way we gather is because of the grace, the weight of the grace of Jesus Christ. Because the reality is when we gather in this room, let's be honest, we all gather in this room as a group full of sinners. And I don't know about you, but I don't know where I'd be. I don't know where I'd be without the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. In our staff devo this past week on Tuesday, Jason, the guy who kicked us off this morning, asked our staff this question. He said, What has God saved you from? My immediate response was my sin. Like if, if more often than not, if I had let sin win the day in my heart instead of God, if I had chosen to do what I was tempted to do instead of letting, l- letting myself be controlled or respond to what God has asked me to do, if, if more often than not I've given in to those temptations and those things, I, I don't know, my life would be a just total disaster right now, right? Like God has saved me from so much, so much I don't even know about. But the, what I do know about is unbelievable right? How do we experience the light of Christ? I'll tell you, there's only one way. And we have to get our mind around this idea because everybody struggles. But the only way for us to experience growth and the only way for us to step into the light of Christ is we have to bring what was in the darkness into the light. And I know this may be one of the scariest things I'll ever say. I'll tell you what, this is just one of those moments, right? Let's just have a little talk. The only way for you to experience real and lasting and transforming growth in your relationship with Jesus Christ is for you to do what so many Christians are terrified to do, and that's to participate in the spiritual discipline of confession. Confession is the spiritual activity of bringing what was in the darkness into the light of Christ. It's the spiritual activity of naming and claiming what we've done, where we've been, and the choices that we made. And for far too long, we have been locked up and tight-lipped about the reality of our choices, of our greed, of our impurity, of our pride, of our anger, of our gossip, of our lies. And we've been too afraid and too terrified to share with anybody the truth of what we've done. But the reason you can't get any traction in your life, the reason you don't feel like you're growing in Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you, it it applies to everyone in the room. And maybe it's pride. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's it's just sheer terror of what would happen if somebody else knew what I knew about me. But I'm going to tell you the only way, if you've ever done this, you know I'm speaking truth right now. The only way for you to experience freedom and the growth in Jesus that you are desperate for it's to find an older brother or find an older sister in the faith and to ask them to let you just share with them what you've done and where you've been. I'll tell you this at the heart of Jesus Christ is a deep desire to forgive you of your sin. Don't, don't ever minimize what Jesus died to forgive, D- don't ever hesitate to step into the light when Jesus paid such a high price to provide it for you. Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget this, that it wasn't your sin that put him on the cross. Do you know this? that this is true? Your sin did not put Jesus on the cross. Love did. He went to that cross because he loved you. That's what brought him to the cross. And that's why he's so desperate for you to step out of the darkness and into the light. Because... He loves you. And what I want for you so desperately is to experience this reality. There is freedom in Jesus Christ, but you have to be willing to take the step out of the darkness and into the light of his presence. And when you do, you will experience freedom and growth unlike you have ever known before here's the truth we grow in christ when we turn towards the light and it's the only way to grow we grow in christ when we turn towards the light and it is the only way to grow it's the only way church if you would stand with me i think i told you you know not too long ago alicia and i went to buy flowers for our yard and We don't have a lot of shade. And so we had to look for those plants with a little tag stuck in them that said it would grow in full sun. Guess what? You're one of those plants. You were made to grow in full sun. And there's an amazing truth about these tulips that I didn't share with you before. I read this online, so it must be true. (laughs) Sometimes you can plant a tulip bulb upside down and it will still grow. It takes more time. It takes more energy. But here's the amazing thing. As those roots begin to grow, they start to anchor down. And that tulip bulb can turn itself right side up underground over time. And before long, that shoot will break through the surface of the darkness and towards the marvelous light. And maybe you feel like your life is upside down right now. Now, I want to invite our elders and their wives to kind of gravitate toward the edges of the room. And this morning, if, if you want to take advantage of this, I want to challenge you to. And I know it's a big challenge, but I want to I challenge you to. Because you may feel like your life is upside down. And you may be wanting more than ever to set things right. And the first step of that is confession. Of breaking through the darkness into the light. And these men and their wives, there's nothing fancy or special about them. In confession, there's nothing magical about that. But I'll tell you this, there's something divine about it. There's a promise that God has made to us that when we step out of the darkness and into the light, he is faithful and just to forgive. And even out of the darkness of your life, he can bring forth something beautiful when you step into the light. And so today, if you need to, as we sing this song, if you need to, if you need to find one of these men and their wives and And just just share with them your heart and confess some of your sin and pray with them. No, there is no judgment here. They just love you and they love this church and they love the Lord. Maybe you want to confess for the first time because you never have before that you believe that this is right. You believe this is real. You believe Jesus is who he says he is. And you want nothing more than to step out of the darkness that is your life into the light of Christ. And we would love nothing more than to hear that confession and to help you begin this life of growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Wherever you are, whatever you need, I hope that you'll respond to Christ today or this week. And I hope that we would all respond to this in a a very individual way and find someone that we can confess to and share our lives with. Because what would happen if we gathered next week as a people who were truly set free? If we gathered next week and we stepped into this room and it was a house full of light because we had all stepped out of the darkness into the light, something amazing would happen in this place. I believe it. Worship like we've never heard before as God's people respond to his love and his mercy poured out for us. Wherever you are, whoever you are, I pray that you will grow in Jesus. Let's sing.